0: Alrighty Now, what is up, New Jersey? Welcome back to the Locked On Devils podcast here on the Locked On Network. I'm your host, college hockey play-by-play announcer and also Devils writer for the Hockey Writers Trey Matthews. And it's currently 8.01 p.m. Eastern Time, July 24th, 2021 at the time of this recording. And guys, I have some bad news to reveal to you. So obviously, uh, the draft is done. Free agency is about to start up. So obviously, the New Jersey Devils can sign anyone at any given moment. But unfortunately, I will be a little slow to report to the news because if you You guys missed the last episode in which I talked about the Seattle Kraken draft, the NHL entry draft, and also the horrendous trades that have been taking place uh, throughout the NHL the last couple days. I will be on vacation with my family for the next week or so. But I still want to provide you guys with some content. So this week, I am going to talk to various uh, Devils news personalities and basically get their reflections on this past season for the New Jersey Devils because currently we were able to crown a champion of the NHL world. Obviously, the Tampa Bay Lightning went back-to-back in this year's Stanley Cup Finals, and now the draft is officially done. So it is the start of a new NHL season, so it's going to be a clean slate from here on out. But still, let's get some reflections from this past season from various Devils personalities. So the first one on the docket is Neil from Devil's State of Mind Podcast. He actually appeared on this show about a week ago, and we talked about the expansion draft, we talked about the NHL entry draft, and we talked about hypothetical silly season scenarios for the New Jersey Devils. So could they come into fruition? We're going to have to find out in a couple days. So we're going to talk to Neil in a second, but first, let's get the first couple live reads out the way. So the first one comes from Bilt Bar. So did you know that Bilt Bar has so many delicious flavors? There is something for everyone. When you talk to a Bilt Bar fan, they're definitely passionate about the their faves. If you don't know the Built Bar flavors while well, you're missing out, there's coconut, cherry barcia, raspberry, mint brownie, double chocolate, salted caramel, strawberry, orange, cookies and cream, German chocolate. You know what my favorite flavor is since I'm on vacation? I love coconut. So not only are Built Bars the best tasting protein bars ever, but they're super healthy as well. Check out these statistics. 17 to 18 grams of protein, calories ranging from 130 to 180, only 4 to 5 grams of sugar, and only 4 to 5 grams of net carbs. Amazing flavors, all tasty, all healthy. So order today and get that raspberry or whatever you like at Bilt BuiltBar.com. Built bar is also the official protein bar for the U.S. track and field team. So isn't that really cool? Go Team USA. So the offer is go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your first order. Again, use the promo code lock 15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. Now, if you are a betting person, please remember to gamble responsibly. But the second live read comes from BetOnline. So BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. The Olympics is in full swing and you can track all the action at BetOnline. Get all the latest news, odds, and info on all your sports. Needs from MLB, NBA, NHL, and all of your UFC, MMA action before the next pitch. Head over to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign up bonuses, and contest information. So don't stand on the sidelines anymore. This is your chance to get into the game as teams are prepping for their country runs in the Olympics as we speak. So head to the website, use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. So uh, remember to use that promo code Locked On and you'll get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. So Let's talk to Neil of the Devil's State of Mind podcast and let's get his opinions on on this past season for the New Jersey Devils so basically what I'm going to ask these Devils news personalities is like you know who was their rookie of the year who was their MVP who was their biggest surprise we'll talk about disappointments we'll talk about expectations from uh, this past season and also a future season so this upcoming season so obviously a lot can happen a lot can change but keep in mind we did this recording before the expansion draft and before the NHL entry uh, draft so obviously things have changed but at the end of the day I don't think it'll change the course of the conversation too much so let's bring in neil of devil state of mind podcast and let's have an open hockey discussion in regards to the new jersey devils this past season okay special crossover i'm trey matthews host of locked on devils and we got another devils podcast it is devils meet devils so i got neil neil is the host of devil state mind am i correct
1: devil the devil state of mind podcast correct
0: and we've been talking for a while we interact with each other on twitter a lot but I think it's about damn time that we did a crossover with one another, just feed off each other.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's um like, like he just said, basically what we, we interact so much. We were interacting a lot throughout the season and obviously a lot during the off season. And then, you know, a couple, like about a couple of weeks ago, I, I reached out to him. I said, Hey, we'd love to have you on the devil state of mind podcast. And he's like, well, why don't we just do like a whole collab together? And we just do like a bunch of stuff. And I said, absolutely, let's do it. And, you know, obviously with the offseason being a little bit slow right now and everything like that, you know, we have to we have to come up with some things. And uh, we've definitely gotten some interesting things over the last couple of weeks. Uh, some good, some really odd, to say the least. But it's like uh, it's like Trey says, it's, it's crazy season. It's time to get nuts. It's time to go wild. It's time to do whatever you can. And uh, this offseason is going to be one unlike any other I think we've seen in the last couple of years. But I'm really excited to be on here uh and i'm really excited to be doing this with you Trey.
0: so i'm on devil state of mind and you're on locked on devil so it's a great collaboration by the way it's not crazy season it's silly season silly season, so,
1: right right
0: so yeah um i guess let's just go to the beginning so like i i want to get both of our thoughts and see where we're at in yep. terms of the devil so uh i let's just go before the season what were your expectations for the devils like did you think they would do well did you think uh we were going to be one of the bottom teams out East. Like what was your overall opinion from like Lindy Ruff to how the roster was uh, structured to best player, worst player, whatever yeah. case might be.
1: So basically when I went into the season, it was almost like, cause you know, I'm a big sports fan. It was, it was almost similar to my expectations for the New York giants. It was like, I really didn't know what to expect. Yeah. When you look at the team on paper, you see a team that is most likely going to finish towards the bottom of the NHL. But we still looked at it as, as a young team. We have a lot of guys that are going to be first-time NHL players. It's going to be a lot about competition. We have a new coaching staff for the most part, new head coach. Um, you know, obviously we had the acquisition of bringing in Corey Crawford. So that was exciting when we had that little bit going on. And really when I went into the season, it was just kind of like, okay, well, I'm not expecting us to make the playoffs anything like that, all I'm expecting from this team is to compete. We are in a division of death with so many really talented teams. Six of those eight teams are going to be buying for four spots in the playoffs. And we just have to come in and try to disrupt and try to play hard and go from there. And the fact that obviously we played the majority of the year without fans was another factor into everything. And I said, then they give us a fairer shot. When we play against some of these teams, particularly on the road, because it's like, well, we don't have to worry about the crowd. We could just play hockey and go from there. And yeah, I mean, really, my expectation going into the year was that I just wanted to see the team compete.
0: Yeah, so uh, I don't want to make a hot take here, but I just feel as though we were just in the wrong division. Like I told you, like in what you just said, like there was just a lot of competitive teams out east and it's just right. like we're just in the wrong division to rebuild. We're not as far down as the Sabres are, but at the same time, I just feel like we're so much better than what people give us credit for. Mm -hmm. And uh, before the start of the season, I said we would finish fifth out East. We would finish fifth. I I forget which teams I had below us. The Sabres were definitely one of them. I thought maybe we could finish ahead of the Rangers because I thought they may needed like a year or two to get things sorted. And, you know, basically I guaranteed playoff spots for like the Penguins, the Bruins, um, I didn't think the Islanders would be as good as that, as I thought they would have been, would have been, really? but you know, uh, obviously I was just saying maybe they will be that brink of a playoff team. And then yeah. uh, obviously I had to say the flyers as well. Um, so, so I had the Bruins, I had the Penguins, I had the flyers, uh, basically going to the playoffs along with the Islanders, just, you know, escaping by the skin of their teeth. But, mm. you know, but they, they exceeded my expectations and, uh, the Flyers completely uh, <laughs> just, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Completely disappointed me, I guess. Well, not disappointed well, me, but still. I mean, still. W- I mean yeah.
1: is it really disappointing when the Flyers aren't good? I don't think so.
0: No, no. no. But- it's it's
1: great. It's actually just great.
0: <laughs> it's great, but it's just like, it kind of messes the groove up, if I if yeah. that makes anything, any sense. So, you know, those were teams I was guaranteeing into the playoffs. And I said, we would finish fifth out East. We would miss the playoffs, but at the same time, we would make a huge step forward. Now, obviously, we finished second to last out in the division, but I still feel as though we still made huge steps forward and we're finding our identity once again, which is yeah. something I think we've been struggling with. We've been struggling with finding our, our identity. And I'll be honest, uh, going into the season, I was not a fan of Lindy Ruff because I felt like, and you know, the record can show this, is that he had a better record uh, early on in his career because remember the uh, uh, the clutch and grab thing? Like, you know, he was more he was more successful during that time period, which is why you saw more success. But obviously, as the game changes, Mm -hmm. um, you know, it it just seems like he wasn't adaptable. And it just seems like why are we bringing in an old coach who uh, hasn't had a really good history of like working with younger guys? However, he did do well with Adam Fox since he was the defensive coach for um, the Rangers for a few years. And obviously, you know, Adam Fox just won the Norris Trophy. So obviously, I just felt like um, Lindy Ruff ran an adequate zone defense that just doesn't work in today's NHL, if if I'm being honest. So uh, my expectations for Lindy Ruff were low, but my expectations for the team was relatively high because I just thought the players will do better, um, you know, without him or that kind of thing.
1: When the Devils hired Lindy Ruff, at first it was kind of a surprise because we had not heard necessarily that much that he was even being considered. For the position, uh, we had talked about guys like you know Gerard Gallant, uh, Peter Laviolette, you know, because we had talked about we needed it. We needed a, a big name voice in the locker room to get these guys going. And I remember the Devils just refused to pay extra money for Laviolette because that's apparently what he wanted for him to come here. Um, which I mean, you know, that kind of shows you just where the ownership is. Um, whether or not they're still at that point uh, remains to be seen, and we'll see what happens over the next couple of weeks. But when the Devils hired him, a lot of people were like laughing and like freaking out. And I didn't necessarily take that approach. I had to calm a lot of Devils fans down. I said, look, let's understand this. Lindy Ruff is not here long-term. Lindy Ruff is a placeholder for for the next two or three years until we get a younger coach in here once the team is more developed. I have already spoken to several people that have said it's the same thing. They're looking at some younger coaches down the line that could definitely fit more of what the NHL game is now. Lindy Ruff is here to set the culture, set an attitude, and develop these young players. That's what he's brought in to do. So, And you look at his resume, and his resume speaks for himself. He is the greatest coach in Buffalo Sabres history. There is no denying that whatsoever. He was two wins away from winning the Stanley Cup in Buffalo. And then he transformed both Tyler Sagan and Jamie Benn in Dallas to become the players that they are now. And like you just mentioned, Trey, you talk about Adam Fox. Rangers fans were crapping on Lindy Ruff the entire time while he was a defensive coach. Well, here's the problem. He's not a defensive coach. He's an offensive coach. That's why he was brought into New Jersey. He was more focused on getting the young forward group going. Now we clearly see what the main issue is, even though we kind of knew that the year before that the defense needs a lot of work and we do need to have a more defensive coach with that. Now, I've argued that having Elaine Nazardine still here is a problem because he's not really doing the job. He didn't do the job he was brought. He was kept on to do. So I argue that you need to bring in someone else. I don't know who that Nasruddin, is. Nazardine needs to go now. I agree. I agree. And I will say this. For anybody out there that, and I've spoken to a lot of Devils fans, they're like, oh, let's bring in Scott Stevens. Well, how do we know for a fact that Scott Stevens is going to somehow be great? When he was here, mind you, he was an assistant coach When the Devils let go of Pete DeBoer back in, I believe it was 2014, no, 2015, um, He it wasn't like they did that well. So, I mean, and does Scott Stevens want to leave his nice job with NHL Network to coach with the Devils? He may not want to. So, I'm, I'm saying we don't have to get somebody that's well known or a former player. We just have to bring in somebody that understands that defensive game more and can mold this team and mold a defensive core into something that needs to be. But going back to Lindy Ruff, honestly and truly, I feel like when I look at this season, I look what happened this year. I thought he did as good of a job as anybody could with this team. I really did. And I'm not really against Lindy Ruff at all. I was never on the bandwagon of we need to fire him, blah, blah, blah. Because at the end of the day, again, He is still only going to be here for another year or two because we are trying to develop. We are trying to rebuild. And for a lot of Devils fans, we have been so accustomed to, especially prior to 2012, constantly making the playoffs, constantly being a cup contending team, winning Stanley cups. This period right now in Devils history is technically the first time since the early eighties that the Devils have really rebuild, have really put, invested into rebuilding the organization, rebuilding the team from the ground up. So it's harder, and I understand it because as a fan myself, I want this team to win, and I watch every game, and I want them to win every game possible. But it's also a reality of it's just not going to be that way. Hockey is a magical, unpredictable sport. You do not know what's going to happen every single game. But Lindy Ruff, to me, I think is the right coach for this team right now I'm not so sure if he's the coach long-term and I wouldn't be surprised next two or three years that he is no longer here and that they end up bringing in a younger coach that can take them to the next step towards being that Stanley cup team that we want to see.
0: So um, going back to what you said, I believe Lindy rough's contract, they've been on the down low of like contracts uh, in this regards in terms of coaching, but I believe uh, his contract is for three years. I, I believe i read that somewhere. So, um, you're right, Lindy Ruff it does not deserve to get fired at all because if we're Ooh. looking at this season, the thing is, like, 56 games, they're jammed together. We have Correct. to deal with the pandemic. Yep. We have to deal with the new coaching staff. We have to deal with the new front office. We have to deal with a whole lot of new pieces to bring together. Everyone expected us to be like the Buffalo Sabres where we completely flop. But at the same time, did we lose 10 games in a row? Yes, but here's the thing. Uh, if you look at those 10 games, we had to play, like um, – the Penguins and the Rangers a lot yeah. of times during that span. So I believe we played a few games against the Rangers, then the Penguins, then the Rangers once again, and then the Penguins then again. Right. Obviously, we just, we just, essentially we were just losing to the Penguins and Rangers during that span of 10 games. Correct. And then, and then, you know, when we faced the Flyers, we took them to OT. We blew that game. Like we let Giroux, uh score like what? Two goals within 90 seconds.
1: Yeah, it was, it was rough. It was, it,
0: it, was it, it was rough, but at the same time, we still got a point. We still got a point. I'd rather get a point than no points at all. So, you know, what we're looking at from that standpoint is just like another thing is um, there was no practice. Like uh, normally during a season, you would have practice. But Lindy Ruff said in his exit meeting interview that. Off days were strictly for off days, not for practice right. due to the amount of games that we had to play right. in that jam packed. And that's why you saw so many injuries is because, only,
1: you know, when the only time for practice basically was during training camp. That was literally or the only time, skate. right. And or morning skate. That was literally the only time this team had to practice. So clearly with a team trying to rebuild and a team not being able to do the normal things that you're allowed to do, you know, go out and you know, create chemistry with your teammates off the ice because of obviously dealing with the COVID-19 pandemic, it just created this whole thing where it was very difficult. And so when I really look back on the season, it's incredibly disappointing. Don't get me wrong. It's not great to finish towards the bottom of the NHL. It doesn't make us feel good. But when you look at the circumstances, you look at everything that was thrown at this team, they did a, probably about as good a job as they possibly could with the circumstances. And the fact that they had a 16-day layoff because of COVID that really hurt them because if you remember, beginning of the year, we were winning some games that we all looked around and said, how are we doing this? How are we beating the Bruins? How are we beating the Rangers in Madison Square Garden? How are we doing this? And then they come back from that from that 16-day lap. They win a couple of games after that, but then it all Bruins fell and, apart.
0: Bruins and, rain, Bruins and Rangers. Bruins
1: and Rangers again, and then it all fell apart. And that was the big thing, and they could never recover, and you often wonder how much did – COVID really affect them. I think it's certainly made a pretty significant impact. Do not get me wrong. Um, And it's unfortunate to say, but at the same time, you still got to go out and try to compete. And I remember we had talked about so much about how important that four game set against the Rangers was going to be. It was basically going to be the playoff series for the Devils this, this past year. It was, this is a moment for us to really, get ourselves back going, get ourselves some respect and everything. And it was such a difficult thing when the week was over and we had lost all four games. Three times we had had to come back from several goal deficits and still found a way to lose the game. And to and to have a situation where in both home games, there are more Rangers fans at, at the Prudential Center than there are Devils fans. I got to be honest with you, Trey, that was actually the, low, the lowest point for me as a Devils fan because it was like, I just am so tired of this. We are just because we have become an embarrassment in the NHL and we need to get back to being respected like we were when we had the likes of Lou Lamorello and Marty Brodeur and the two Scots and every and all the great players that we've had. We want to get back to that respectability. And I'm just hoping that since if that really is rock bottom, then there's no way there's nowhere to go but up from here and this is why this offseason as we've talked about so many times is so vital to taking this team to the next step of being competitive and making a run at least at trying to get a playoff spot and not finishing towards the bottom of the NHL.
0: So Lindy Ruff did say in his exit meeting interview that his goal is to get this team to the playoffs. Obviously that's way easier said than done and also it doesn't help that we gave uh, Shashirskan you know, the uh, young netminder for the New York Rangers, we gave him his first few career shutouts. I, yep. In fact, I believe those are his only shutouts.
1: Those are his only like, two you know, at the moment, yep.
0: And and they came back-to-back. Well, That's you know, true. like not not like, you know, uh, game today, game tomorrow. It was like game today, off day, yeah. and next day yep. game. But still, back-to-back. We gave Shasershkin mm-hmm. his first uh, few career back-to-back yeah. shutouts. That was also very frustrating because I'm just yeah. like – OK, one time, fine. But back to back, come on, guys, we're better than this. And, yes. you know, the, the, the way you said it, just how how are we going to improve? Well, like I told you, we, we have money. We do have money. And we have a lot of money. It's it, the question, money. It, It's just going to be a matter of who do we spend it on? Because obviously, you know, on my show, I've been talking a lot about silly season like we uh, talked about at the beginning. Of yep. the show, just just overall, like certain circumstances that could potentially happen. Mm-hmm. Obviously, when I do silly season, they're not really meant to be taken seriously. It's just for a you know for fun and hypothetical scenarios, just yep. based on C L reports. So obviously, recently I talked about Mackenzie Blackwood potentially being traded, and I just said that oh. will never happen, never happen. Yeah, that would be stupid. Yep. Um, you know, I talked about maybe potentially uh, Alexander Ovechkin coming to the New Jersey Devils <laughs> since he's an unrestricted free agent. Never gonna happen, never gonna Connor happen. Connor McDavid, Connor McDavid, yeah, potentially be traded to the Devils could happen in theory, but will never ever happen. But right. obviously, you know, before we get to the offseason, uh, let's just talk about, I guess, um, what we have now. So, obviously, yeah. we saw uh, Pavel Zaka improve. So, Zaka mm-hmm. was a part of probably one of the best draft classes in all of the last decade, like right. 2015 draft class. You got Jack Eichel. You have uh, Noah Hannafin, Mitchell Marner. Um, let's see, who else? Conor have, McDavid.
1: Right, you have you, you, Matthew Barzal. You have Barzal as well. You and have, you have uh, all Mika those Rantanen. Mika Rantanen as well There's another one. So there's several.
0: So that is regarded as one of the best draft classes since, I believe, what, 2003 or something like Probably,
1: that? Probably, yeah. all those
0: guys. All those guys like were tops and scoring in the NHL right now, like Marner, McDavid. McDavid just won the MVP. Um, Marner, even though he can't get out the first round, he's doing pretty well for the Maple Leafs. Jack Eichel, uh, you know, even though his stint in uh, Buffalo is coming to an end, you know, he did. He's doing relatively well. Hannafin, like I was doing uh, trade discussions. Can we get Hannafin onto the roster? Yeah. So obviously we saw Pavel Zaka lead our team in points this season for the first time. However, here's the thing it was not a lot of points. Like he had 35 points this year. And um, obviously, you know, uh, when we're looking at that from a statistical standpoint, there's actually 93 players who had more points than him and yet he led our team. So it's just like, yeah, go ahead. So it's just like, so it's just like uh, my overall idea for you is like, who do you think was like the biggest surprise or who was like the MVP of our team this year?
1: Well, if I were to say biggest surprise, it was it has to be, even though it wasn't that much of a surprise to me. It, it's probably Miles Wood, um, because again, Miles Wood was somebody that if you spoke to me at the beginning of the season, who would be the main guy I would see Seattle taking from us in the expansion draft? I would have said Miles Wood, because I think at that point going into this year, you know, he was a third, fourth line guy that. Has a lot of speed and can certainly bang the body, but as far as scoring ability and being able to create plays, he that was something he was struggling with. And this year, he ends up being tied for the team leading goals with seventeen, which is not a whole lot, but it, it's you know it's one of the best on the team. And he really took a more of a leadership role. He wore the alternate um, captain, Lo, you know, symbol for you know a handful of games this year. I really to think finish he, out the year. Exactly. And I really think that he did a good job of finishing, uh, of really showcasing himself and saying, like, I'm a regular NHL player. Like, I'm developing now. Maybe he's coming into his own. Maybe this is now the new Miles Wood that we're going to see moving forward. Maybe this is only the beginning of him getting better and better and better as the season go, as the years go along. So I would definitely say the most surprising player was certainly Miles Wood. As far as team MVP is concerned, there were a couple guys that I would think about, but but I would say personally, it's probably Yegor Sharangovich, because Sharangovich came into the NHL not having played a single game in the NHL, but he had one advantage over the majority of the NHL players, including everybody on his team. He had been playing for the last several months in the second toughest hockey league in the world, in the Continental Hockey League, the KHL in Russia, and he was one of the top three goal scorers and the top three point getters in the KHL. Mind you, this guy isn't even 20 years of age. So he comes in and he lights it up right away. His first NHL goal game winner in overtime against the Bruins. He, he really surprised me in the first game. He had like seven or eight shots on goal. And I'm like, I haven't seen this consistent amount of shooting on net since like Ilya Kovalchuk. That to me was something that caught my eye. Now, is it, is it, a coincidence that he's also wearing 17 maybe it is maybe it isn't who knows but to me sharon govich was one of the most consistent players on this team from the first game to the last game even when he wasn't scoring he was still taking shot after shot after shot and constantly looking to score and he had some games where it was phenomenal and i really would have loved to have seen him reach that 20 goal plateau but obviously he kind of struggled towards the end but he had a couple of really good games two goal game against the Flyers. I really thought he he was going to get himself a hat trick and I thought he did, but the post was not kind to him, but he really developed himself into a guy that's not only going to be an NHL regular, but is a top six winger. He's a guy that's definitely going to be on our top six moving forward. And I think he has either one year left on his contract or is an RFA at the moment. I don't know for a fact, but he's certainly going to get a decent amount of money moving forward because of the production that he had this year. And Hopefully, he can take what he did in a very short 52-game season and really take that next big step in his development into a full 82-game season, which I think is something that is going to really happen moving forward for him. So my biggest surprise was Miles Wood, my team MVP, is Yegor Sharangovich.
0: Really? The rookie? The rookie? The, the MVP? Of the, of the, if there was a New Jersey Devils Heart Memorial Trophy? It's uh, Sharon Govich.
1: Right. I would have given it to Jack. I, I really would have given it to Jack Hughes, but the problem was it wasn't necessarily his problem. It was more of guys just couldn't find a way to score when he would make passes. He would make some great passes and nobody would score. And that's a big thing as to why it's so critical to get a top six winger this off season for Hughes, more or less. Nico will obviously benefit from it as well, but certainly Jack Hughes's numbers will elevate a lot more Once he gets a guy that can score along with him and be consistent and we have to find a way. And I think this has to come from coaching. We have to find a way to have these guys make crisper passes. I've seen so many teams like look at Tampa, even look at Toronto to an extent they make crisp passes that get right to the player. It doesn't hit off their stick. They don't whiff at it. It's, it's, it's firm. It's right to them. It's, it's, it's exactly what we need. And that, to me, is something that I want to see this team work on in the offseason and obviously in training camp moving forward. And getting a top six winger for Jack Hughes is important. But, you know, Jack Hughes took a step and it's good. Um, But Sharon Govich, to me, was the most consistent player. And that's why I gave Sharon Govich team MVP.
0: Now, who's my favorite player again?
1: Your favorite player? Oh, geez. Um, Sharon, uh, is it Jack Hughes?
0: You literally just said his name like Sharon a few Govich. minutes ago. You, yes. Come on, man. I always tweet at you saying that's true. who's my favorite player. I, right, I always yeah. like yeah. – guys, if you don't follow me on Locked on Devils, like sometimes I rename uh, my Twitter handle to Locked on Sharon Govich because Sharon Govich is just my favorite player. Now, before yeah. now, before anyone comes at me, I say Igor Sharon Govich because that's how you would say in Belarus. It's like how I don't say Jesper Brat. I say Jesper Brat. So before anyone – Comes at me, who has never listened to my show. That's I say, Igor Sharangovich, because if you look at his Twitter, he actually spells it E G O R. Yeah, Igor. That's I how have you to say it, he, it, it
1: is- properly too. I I have to do the same thing. I'm trying to. No. I it's, it's 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 so interesting. Like it's the same thing with Yanni Kukin. Like I've heard people say Kukin, some people have said Kukin, and I'm like, it's got to be one of them, right? It can't be. It can't be both. Like I would prefer to obviously ask Yanni himself to ask him out to correctly pronounce it, but uh, I don't have that much clout just yet, but we're, we're making progress.
0: Right. So, so, yeah. So like I, I try for the players to uh, pronounce their names as if it was in their native land, but no, like, you know, when you're watching it on TV, they obviously say uh, Yegor Sharangovich or right. instead of Igor, but I say it's, Igor. It's I the
1: English American way of saying it. That's basically how they're right. saying it.
0: Right. Or I say yes for Brock instead of Correct. saying yes for Brat you know, that kind Go of ahead. thing, but it, it just rolls off the tongue better for me. So Igor um, he was definitely a surprise. So uh, let's see, for me, I don't want to piggyback off you. So I'm going to pick some different players. So uh, I believe one of the biggest surprises this season for the New Jersey Devils was Scott Wedgwood, quite honestly, hmm. because if we're, if we're thinking of, I, I understand his, uh, his st- his play kind of declined towards the end of the season. I, I understand that, but bear to with put me. It, to put
1: thing. it nicely, to put it nicely. Just be-
0: Okay, bear with me for just a couple minutes. Yeah, go ahead. Go let, ahead. Let, let's think about this. The last time he played in an NHL game was in 2018, prior to this season. He was originally signed to be a third string goalie. Right. So when Corey Crawford retired, he had to become the backup goalie. Then That's when true. Mackenzie Blackwood had to go onto the COVID protocol list, he had to be the starting netminder. So obviously, you know, uh, his first game against the Islanders, uh, the devils uh, let up four goals, but I'll go and say this 75% of those goals were not his fault because one came on a breakaway, like to end period. Number one, that wasn't his fault. That's the defense's fault. And that's the devil's fault for turning the puck over. And the other two came off a power play. And usually uh, I'm very hesitant on, uh, you know, blaming the goalie for letting up uh, a power play goal. Usually, I'm very hesitant sure. on that because I just say it's not the goalie's fault that you know uh, that that his team has to go into the penalty kill and that they can't hold their end of the bargain. It's not his fault that his one of his teammates had to go to the penalty box. And right. then, so I say 75 percent of those four goals were not his fault. And then the very next game, he shuts out the Islanders. Right. So, so I said it in my show. I said. Scott Wedgwood deserves a second chance because he's a solid goalie. He's solid. Right. Nothing spectacular. I'm not trying to say anything. I'm not trying to overhype him. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying, like, you know, let's look at it from this perspective. He had to become the backup goalie. Then he had to be right. the starting goalie for a few games. And uh, if you asked uh, Scott Wedgwood, I don't think even he anticipated to be in that situation. He was just put into a pickle, like, you know, uh, a situation that he didn't foresee himself. And obviously, he was a part of the Tampa Bay Lightning's championship roster last year, but he didn't dress a single game for them. So true. I, I, I said Scott Wedgwood was worth a second chance for at least a one- or a two-year extension.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And lo and behold, I was correct. The, the Devils gave him a one-year extension. However, this time, he will definitely, definitely be third-string goalie.
1: Yeah, I think so, that's, a good, that's a very good point. I mean, he, Scott Wedgwood, you know, it was like for, a, for some of us Devils fans, it was kind of nice to see him come back. You know, considering, you know, he had some expectations when he first came into the league and obviously that never materialized and and everything like that. But for him to come back and we knew that he was going to be the third string goaltender last year and everybody was fine with that. And then obviously, like you mentioned, the the situation with Corey Crawford and him having to come in and be the backup, it was it was a difficult spot for him. It was a difficult spot for the team. And, you know, to bring him back this year, I'm not against it. Unfortunately, if if there's a situation where he has to be the backup, it's not the greatest thing in the world. But I've told Devils fans before, him re-signing with the Devils does not mean he's coming back to be the backup. He knows that. The Devils know that. Everybody knows that. He's here to be the third-string guy, to be one of the guys probably in Utica with the Comets, uh, to help out with one of the young goaltenders down there, unless they want to do two young goaltenders. It's going to be one of those things. So that's why... When they re signed him, it was not like I, I don't get why some people were upset about that because it was not with the intention that he was going to be the backup. There's no way they're going to give him that little amount of money to be a backup goaltender. That was no the way. way you make for a third string guy. And every and like I said, everybody knows that. So Wedgwood to me, I thought was okay. He wasn't any like you said, nothing spectacular. He was not brought in to be spectacular. He did. He tried to do what he could, but again, it what what was good about Wedgwood not being that great of a goaltender is that it allowed everybody to really see how exposed our defense is and how much work we need to improve on it. And so I look right. at it like even if Scott Wedgwood had a decent defense in front of him, he probably would have won a couple other games uh, this season if he played. That's the way I look at it. So it's 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 got to be a group effort. The goaltender is part of the defense at the end of the day, and it has to be a group effort. You do need really good goaltending. Do not get me wrong. And Wedgwood is the main uh, – excuse me, Blackwood is the main guy. But getting a guy like Wedgwood knows the organization and he could be a solid third-string goaltender, I'm, I'm pretty much fine with it.
0: Yeah, and like I said, he's nothing spectacular. But at the end of the day, um, you know, I felt like his production was solid and he also led our team in shutouts, albeit we only had three shutouts. But, you know, the fact that he had two of those three, you know – I think he has potential, but at the same time, like you said, he's only brought back to be a third-string goalie, not to be the backup. He is not ready for that role. But the fact that he had to be thrusted into that role unexpectedly because obviously Corey Crawford retired during training camp, so it's just like, what do we do? Like, who do we need? Like, obviously we tried bringing Aaron Dell, who we thought would be solid, but at the same time, Aaron Dell, we can't bring him back. We can't right. bring that guy back. Just just, just let him walk. Bring back Scott Wedgwood to be the third string goalie and find another backup. So Scott Wedgwood, in my opinion, in my humble opinion, I believe um, he was one of the most surprising players on the roster, albeit, you know, people are going to refer to that yep. Penguin series in which he and Aaron Dell had to flop out for one another for one game and then another because Arundel started a game that Scott Wedgwood right. had to come in and help him out. Then Scott Wedgwood started the next game and then Aaron Dell had to come in and, and help him out. So overall, you know, when, when people think of Scott Wedgwood, they think about how, you know, lackluster the final few games of the season were for him. But at the same time, it's just like, you know, I, I, I get that. But just think about that. He was asked to be moved up two spots more than he thought he was going to be moved up. So um, and he was also uh, nominated for the Bill Masterton Memorial Trophy. Correct. So obviously the NHL is aware of what he had to do for um, the Devils this season. Um, Unfortunately, he did not win the award as it was awarded to Oscar Lindblom of the the Flyers because because he had to um, uh, because he came back from cancer and rightfully deserved it. He deserved that wholeheartedly. So obviously it's nice that Scott Wedgwood got that uh, recognition, but at the mm-hmm. same time, you know, Lindblom, uh, deserved that award wholeheartedly. No, no questions asked. Right. So it's just, so it's just like, you know, at least the NHL is aware of what Scott Wedgwood is doing in terms for the devil. So in my opinion, uh, obviously, you know, I, I wanted to say like Igor Govich was a surprise or. You know, I want to say a few other people like um, uh, Miles Wood or Pavel Zaka. Yeah. But at the same time, let's look at what Scott Wedgwood was able to do, because I believe not everyone is really talking about what he was capable of doing for the Devils. And I'd say my MVP for the Devils um, is I'd say either Pavel Zaka or Jack Hughes. Yeah, because if we look at Pavel Zaka, you know, he was he, he did relatively well to finish off the year last year. But this year he went out with a bang. Like, uh, he, he finished the year, the final nine games of the year, with 10 points. So, and also, our power play, how good was our power play, Neil? I'll let you answer that.
1: Uh, <laughs> in in, it was, in um, five,
0: five words or less, and also FCC friendly.
1: Oh, okay. Um, putrid, to say the least. I would probably say it that way. It was, um, I've never seen a team be have so much difficulty shooting the puck, um, especially with a one-man advantage, sometimes two-man advantage, uh, than this team this past year. See,
0: and that's what I agree with you on. I I know I'm getting off topic a little bit, but that's what I agree with you on, because they look like a deer in headlights. At times, I forgot that they had the man-up advantage, because all they did was just pass the puck around. I'm just like, no, okay, pass, fine, but collapse the defense. Like, you have the man-up advantage. Can't you attack? And, and, you know, when they're on the penalty kill, they don't know how to clear the zone. So it's just right. like, you know, so, so you know, I'm glad we're on the same page in that regards. But who is the one um, lone star for the Devils on the power play opportunity? Who led our team in power play points and power play goals? It was Pavel, Pavel Zaka. Zaka. Pavel Zaka. And, you know, yep. the thing with Zaka led our team in points, albeit not a, that much, but still, that's something. We're starting to see the improvement. And right. I don't know if you agree with me on this or not, but I wrote something for the hockey writers and I said, Pavel Zaka deserves more appreciation and respect. And a lot of people were like, yeah, no, no way. But I'm just like, come on, be patient. Can he be a late bloomer? Sure. Will he be like Connor McDavid? Absolutely not. Will he be like Jack Eichel? No. Marner? No. He'll be none of that. Right. But I get that. But I don't think he's a bust. I, I, I get he was drafted six overall. I get that, you know, he didn't really amount to, you know, the other players from his respective draft class. But, you know, him being a part of, you know, the, the best draft class, um, you know, since 2003 doesn't really help his case. And, like, look at the past few draft picks, um, you know, this past season. It's Lafreniere didn't do well in his first year. Um, you know, we we had Heiser, We have Hughes. So, you know, true. albeit. Those guys were drafted first overall, yet none of them are on the same pace as, say, Cindy Crosby or Patrick Kane or yep. Conor McDavid, where they're putting up big numbers right away. Mm-hmm. They, they're putting up like Joe Thornton numbers when he was drafted first overall. So, you know, I, I think Pavel Zaka, he deserves a lot more respect. And then uh, going over to Jack Hughes, it's just like, like you said, like Jack Hughes knows how to facilitate. He knows how to play make for his team. He knows how to quarterback the team. The problem is, is that he has a lot of young guys just like him who do not know how to, like, convert a shot into a goal. So, like, he's making great passes, but they're just not going in. Like, yeah. his teammates aren't bailing him out. Or it's just like, uh, I, I, I read something online saying that Jack Hughes was actually tops in the league in terms of uh, the puck just going in and out of the post, like not mm-hmm. going in. So yeah. that also hurt him. So I felt like Jack Hughes, if in an 82-game season, if his goals were, you know, going into the twine and not rattling off the post or, or the crossbar, whatever the case might be, mm-hmm. and if his teammates were converting his great passes into goals, his stats would be a lot higher. So I think Jack Hughes has fallen under the radar for a lot of teams, but I feel like he deserves more credit. And it seems like Lindy Ruff and the front office uh, seem to like Jack Hughes a lot. So I anticipate Jack Hughes will be wearing an alternate captain sweater for the Devils next year. In I, my could opinion. Def-
1: I could definitely see that. I could definitely see that. This is uh this will be a very critical year for Jack Hughes and his development as a player. And obviously as, as a person as well, because this is the last year of his entry level deal. Um, there's going to be pressure on him to take another step towards becoming that, you know, um, fully molded number one, overall pick that we got. A couple of years ago, and again, the Devils are certainly going to try to go out and get him some help, and really try to help this team in general just be a lot better. And I think that now, with the experience that Jack Hughes has had through two years with some of these guys, with, with some of these guys, and now even even though he's pretty much in the same age group as the majority of these guys, he's still technically one of the veterans of this team. So I could definitely see your point, Trey, with Jack Hughes being an alternate captain moving into next year. I mean, hell. Nico, he sure is a captain, is the captain of this team. And he's not that much Head older than, than Jack Hughes. So I wouldn't put it past it. Um, we'll, we'll see what happens. But it, I wouldn't be that surprised if that was the case.
0: Yeah. And also, I don't know if you read this or not, but uh, apparently he was mentoring people like Sharon Govich and Quokenan, and they had great years this year. And they were the top line to finish off the year. Uh, the kid line, youth line, whatever you want to call right. it. But, you know. Uh, he was leading that team. He helped Ty Smith and Ty Smith was in the top ten in um, uh, the Calder uh voting Alder, along from, with yep. along with Sharon Govich. Yep. And I'm surprised, I'm surprised Sharon Govich got uh, one second place vote and Ty Smith didn't get any. That 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 has to be someone who's closely associated it's, with the Devils.
1: I feel like that's more of a of a forward bias type of voting than really anything else. It's harder to especially as a defenseman it's harder to, to win necessarily rookie of the year because unless you do something like you know what Quinn Hughes did or Kale McCarr did um you're not going to get as as noticed basically so I I can understand in a way it's certainly kind of nice to see somebody like Sharon Govich get some voting like that but yeah no it's a it's a good point that Ty Smith didn't get more voting I would have liked to have seen that but again also weird how um Sharon Govich finished higher in the Calder voting than Ty Smith yet Ty Smith made the all rookie team so that was kind of again kind of a weird way of voting but I guess maybe that was uh that was consolation for not getting more second place votes uh for Ty Smith but yeah no Jack Hughes I think is going to go into this next season in a more leadership role and again remember Fitzgerald said this team is going to be built around Nico Heasier, Jack Hughes, Ty Smith, Mackenzie Blackwood. Jack so that
0: so that post uh, you posted just a couple of days ago about um, Mackenzie Blackwood potentially betraying—I I just want to make it clear—he, Neil, is not at fault here. He was just relaying information that I was, that he I saw. I was just
1: relaying it. Yeah, it was from it was from Puck Empire on Instagram. Some of you definitely, I know for a fact, uh, follow it on Instagram. And like I said, I've said it several times on social media. I'll say it here. The thing about it is that Puck Empire usually shares rumors that are shared by other people, you know, other, you know, reporters, Elliot Friedman, Sean Murphy, guys like that. They don't necessarily share things that say source Puck Empire. So this seems more like a, the sources do trust me type of, you know, report. So it was kind of a thing where it's like, I'm sorry, what? I didn't make a, I didn't say anything else other than that. All I just said was, excuse me, what? And, you know... It's something that, you know, just needed to be shared. And, you know, I get that people are upset and I'm not offended if people want to assume that I was the one that threw this out here. I mean, I didn't. I just shared it, but I can understand it. But again, I told everybody I could please take this with a grain of salt. There is very little to no evidence that the devils are even thinking about this. And some people did mention the fact that at one point, Mackenzie Blackwood had to be stopped by his own team because he was working out so much. He was actually being told to stop and slow down and take. I've never
0: heard that ever.
1: And that's the thing that people don't say. So when they say it, the Devils are upset with his work ethic. It's like unless they're upset that he works that he works hard too much, I don't really know what exactly people are talking about. So, guys, it's a it's it has nothing to do with anything. It's not there's no substance to it because it defeats the whole point of what we're trying to do here. We are trying to find a goaltender to be with Blackwood, not to replace Blackwood. Because unless we're getting Andre Vasilevsky or somebody like that. It's not going to happen. So don't worry about it. Relax. I understand that it's been tough since Marty Broder retired that we haven't been able to find that consistent goaltender. Maybe we take it for granted, but Blackwood is a solid young goaltender and he still needs to have a decent defense in front of him and he'll be good to go. So guys, just relax. It's not that big of a deal. It's just something I shared. I didn't come up with it. I don't know why anybody would come up with it. So just relax, take a chill pill.
0: Unfortunately, with how silly season has been panning out for a lot of these NHL teams, I wouldn't put it past uh, anybody in the devil's front office to possibly explore Mackenzie Blackwood. However, it's most likely not going to happen. But at the same time, I'm sure we were saying uh, some of those trade scenarios weren't really going to happen either so uh, obviously I don't want to talk about it but Buchnevich to the Blues and then Lyon to uh, the Flyers and then Nedeljkovic to Detroit Red Wings I I don't think anyone saw it coming especially with what uh, each respective team was able to get in return for those great players but anyway let's hope it doesn't get to that point for the New Jersey Devils but if it does get to that point like I said on vacation so I'll be a little slow to report it but anyway as for today that's about all the time I have for you guys today thanks for listening continue to stay safe and have a wonderful day new jersey i will catch you guys in the next episode as we talk to another uh devil's personality in the next episode so stay tuned for that go devils and thanks for listening once again